Well, God's grace, peace, and mercy be with you on this Sunday of the resurrection through Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen. If I say angel eyes, what comes to your mind? You know, there have been several songs in the past few decades on the radio called Angel Eyes. There's a romance mystery movie from 2001 that's got uh, 33% on Rotten Tomatoes called Angel Eyes. And you dog lovers out there might use a brand of dog tear stain removal stuff called Angel Eyes. Maybe you think of your child's eyes when you hear Angel Eyes. But for now, push all those kinds of angel eyes out of your mind, since today you and I are going to look through another set of angel eyes, and through those eyes see the greatest sight this world has ever seen. Talking about the eyes of the angel in the empty tomb of Jesus on that morning of the resurrection. Now, it's funny that we call it the empty tomb, since St. Mark's account depicts the tomb being a bit overcrowded on the first Easter Sunday. This is the garden tomb you see on the screen just outside the old city walls of Jerusalem. And if you've been there, you know that there isn't a lot of room in there. Now, this is a disputed Christian relic. You know, there's another spot near Jerusalem that is disputed as the burial place of Jesus. But But for today, let's just say that this is the tomb, because this is the most visited and popularly assumed tomb of Jesus. And it wasn't empty for very long either. You got the two Marys and Salome in there, shocked to discover the large stone rolled away from the entrance, and they went in there to investigate. They were surprised to find Not a dead Jesus in there, but a young-looking man, dressed in white, an angel of the Lord. And their surprise was most likely for two reasons. First, they were upset that no Jesus was to be found. And second, angels of the Lord are kind of scary. I mean, sometimes they freak people out in Scripture. Despite what you see in figurines and paintings and such, God's angels usually appear as majestic-looking creatures who strike fear into the hearts of onlookers. That's why the first words out of the mouths of angels are often, what? Yeah, fear not. Don't be afraid. And on Easter morning, this is exactly what happens. The angel says to the terrified women, Do not be alarmed. They don't need to fear this angel since he's come in peace to be the bearer of good news. Now the word we translate as angel uh, means messenger, right? So bringing the good news that Jesus is alive is this angel's main job, right? God the Father told this angel, I'm giving you one job. Don't mess this up. Proclaim the good news. The angels announced that they don't need to fear what happened to the body of Jesus because he is risen and alive. The angel continues, You seek Jesus of Nazareth who was crucified. He is risen. 
He's not here. See the place where they laid him. Now go, tell his disciples and Peter that he is going before you to Galilee. There you will see him just as he has told you. To Galilee. That's where you'll see him. Now according to John, the disciples will see him that night. And eight days later in the same place. Wherever it was they were staying there near Jerusalem. But it's interesting. Jesus seems to have had enough with the capital city of the Jews. He heads back downhill into that vast land and lake below sea level where sometime before he brought light into the darkness there. Now, two other gospel writers say the women briefly saw Jesus near the tomb, but we're going to stick with what Mark writes today. According to him, the angel directs the women to see with their own eyes that Jesus isn't there. And then he tells them that with his own eyes, well, with his own eyes, what he witnessed, right? What the angel saw. He knows they're looking for Jesus of Nazareth who was crucified. And another way of translating this is the crucified one, which is really something. See, a few days before, the women had gazed upon Jesus suffering for the sin of the whole world under his father's wrath on the cross. And they had looked on as their friend Joseph of Arimathea buried Jesus. Now that's all that the women saw. The angel, however, he saw the resurrected Jesus with his own eyes. But but notice he still calls him the crucified one. Why is this? Why not call him the risen one? Well, I don't know. I wasn't the one given that job, given that job the day that, you know, that God wanted that proclaimed. But we wonder, you know, maybe it was something to do with the fact that Jesus had been physically changed, you know? I mean, he's the only person of the Trinity who's had this happen to him. God the Father doesn't physically change in Scripture. I mean, a couple of people see him slightly different ways. He's the, but God the Father is the same from the very beginning. Most of the time, he's only heard and not seen. The Spirit is seen in different forms and was felt like a wind once. But Jesus is changed on the cross, physically. The marks of the nails and the spear, I mean. He's risen. He's alive. But he's still the crucified one. Later that evening, Jesus would appear to ten of his, of his disciples and prove it's him by showing him the wounds on his hands and his side. The next Sunday, Jesus invites naysaying Thomas to touch those wounds, which turns him back into a believer. And let's not forget later that Saul would encounter the risen Jesus on the road to Damascus and then write as Paul to the believers in Corinth. He'd say this, I decided to know nothing among you except Christ Jesus and him crucified. Lots of great witnesses who saw and heard Jesus alive with the marks of crucifixion. Now, Easter is all about life, right? 
Jesus being alive, you and me being alive and living forever because of him rising from death and the hope in this promise that everyone has, even those who don't believe it now, but might believe starting today or sometime in the future before it's too late. We're looking through the angel's eyes who sees the open tomb, but let's also not lose sight of the cross today. The cross and the tomb go together. I mean, the cross is our center of life together, right? It's on it where the atonement for our sin happened. It wasn't finished in the tomb. It was completed on the cross. A God who has not been crucified on your behalf would do you no good. Jesus walking out of the tomb after dying of old age, of natural causes, wouldn't have done anything for us. Look through the angel's eyes and see that Jesus is the crucified one put to death for your sins. The cross is our life. Paul says, I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. And the life I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God, who loved me and gave himself for me. That's from Galatians chapter 2, verse 20. And far be it from me, he goes on, to boast except in the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ by which the world has been crucified to me and I to the world. The tomb is essential too. You also need to see through the angel's eyes that Jesus was raised on that first day of the week for your justification. Now what does that mean, to be justified? Well, it means... At one time, you were guilty of sin, completely culpable in everything you've ever done wrong, every person you've hurt, everyone you've murdered and lusted after in your thoughts, and everyone you've actually done that to. Jesus stepped in and took your guilt and put it on himself and paid the punishment from God for it. That's your justification. It's not just a churchy word. It says a lot with just a few letters. Jesus died for you. Seems like a a lot of what I'm saying is for Good Friday, doesn't it? But Good Friday and Easter are like two sides of the same coin. You can't buy anything with a one-sided quarter. Jesus couldn't pay for your salvation only by dying or only by living, but by both. He had to actively obey God's law on your behalf and mine and passively suffer for our sins against the law. He had to actively fight Satan, whom you and I can't defeat by ourselves. And he had to die for all the times you and I have fallen for Satan's temptations. He had to go into the grave and deposit all of your sins there, but he had to come out alive in order to grant you forgiveness of sins and his own righteousness. And also to show himself to others so we would believe it. But not before his father would have one of his messengers announce it first. And though you and I are like the women at the tomb and can't see Jesus with our own eyes, the reliable testimony of that angel recorded in Scripture It's precious good news, my friends, and we should keep it before our eyes at all times.
Though Jesus in his human form remains hidden from our sight, he's continued to send us messengers ever since his resurrection to testify of his presence among us. John the Baptist was the first, for example. John the Baptist wasn't an angel, but he was certainly God's messenger, wasn't he? And after Jesus' resurrection, Jesus sent his apostles out to be messengers to preach the gospel to the whole creation. And those messenger apostles appointed everywhere they went pastors and teachers and deacons and elders sharing the good news of Good Friday and Easter. Just as the heavenly angel Gabriel visited Mary with the wonderful news that the Lord was with her in the flesh, now messengers proclaim to all who believe and are baptized that the Lord Jesus is with them until the end of the age. Now, aside from bearing the message of Christ, there's another particularly, or there's nothing actually particularly angelic about Christ's apostles then or about Christian pastors and missionaries today. We're a pretty sorry lot, in fact, most of the time. Nobody would look at me and say, he's got angel eyes. Well, my wife maybe, but that goes without saying. But what, do we, what we have are beautiful feet. Not literally, but according to the prophet Isaiah and to the apostle Paul. How beautiful are the feet of those who preach the good news, right? Romans 10, 15. In other words, the footsteps of the messengers who preach the gospel to us are beautiful because they proclaim the beautiful message of Christ. And Paul continues, faith comes from hearing, and hearing through the word of Christ. You all have beautiful eyes out there, but your feet are beautiful too. When you tell someone who doesn't know or needs encouragement in remembering that Christ died and rose for them too. Forgiveness and eternal life is attainable for them, and it doesn't cost a thing. Because Jesus paid the price. On Easter, the angel told the women where they could find Jesus. Likewise, today, I have the same message for you. Jesus promises that you are in him and he in you. We have him and he has us in him. In his word, in baptism and the Lord's Supper. So take your eyes from the angel's head and look on Jesus now with your own. May your eyes always stay fixed on Jesus Christ, crucified for your sin and raised for your salvation. Alleluia. Christ is risen. He is risen indeed. Alleluia. Amen.